Father, we thank you. Come on, let's go into the word of the Lord on today. Thank you so much, worship ministry. What an amazing job. We appreciate you so much. The book of Hebrews. We're in Hebrews chapter chapter 11. But I want you to just put your finger there, but I want you to turn over to the book of Exodus because I want you to I want you to see this here. As we teach on this today. Faith to move forward. Faith to move forward. Faith to move forward. I want you to see this. Good to see you this morning, Chief. Exodus chapter number 14. We've been talking about the faith of Moses and the children of Israel as they were preparing to cross over the Red Sea into a new place of life and to the promise. We talked about a couple weeks ago what it means to have faith in a restrictive frontier where my past is behind me. My promise seems out of reach. But then there was a problem before me. We talked about on last week what it means to have faith in the face of a relentless foe. How many of you remember that? Faith, talked about three areas, how your faith reveals who and what your enemy is willing to do to destroy you. Faith to overcome your enemy is a part of God's plan to prosper you. And then we ended that out with faith to trust that God will do what? Place a shield between you and your enemy. We left off with the quote that says that faith combats the relentless foes that come to attack, hinder, stampede our ability to move forward. Faith is always forward. We can see here that they dealt with the restrictive frontier, that they're dealing with the relentless foe. But then the story somewhat shifts and it focuses directly now on the attitude or disposition of what this situation or circumstance has brought about in the lives of the children of Israel. We can see here um, that in Exodus 10, or let's go to right here and start in verse number 9, chapter 14. I'm reading out of the Amplified. Or let's go right back to 8. It says that the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites as they were leaving confidently and defiantly. Verse number nine, the Egyptians chased them with all the horses and war chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and they overtook them as they camped by the sea. Verse number 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and the Egyptians marching after them, and they were frightened. So the Israelites cried out to the Lord. I want you to hear this key verse here. Um, this is where we will settle our sermonic um, moment on today. Um, verse 11, then Moses, then they said to Moses, it is because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. What is this that you have done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Did we not say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? 
for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians as slaves than to die in the wilderness. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened to chase after the children of Israel who were leaving confidently and defiantly. But as they were leaving, Pharaoh and his army began to chase the children of Israel who were camped out by the sea. As they saw that the children of Israel were camped out by the sea, the children of Israel looked up and saw that Pharaoh's army, Mother Williams, had begun to chase them, key word, and they became frightened. And they turned and they looked at their leader, Moses, who had been faithful to the call and the assignment of God to free them from 400 years of slavery, but they become frightened, and now they begin to do what? They go inwardly to their feelings, and they begin to say, it would have been better for us to stay in Egypt than to die in the wilderness. Why would you bring us here? And it ends with, we asked you to leave us alone. We were doing fine. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, we were fine being slaves. We were fine never having our own. We were, we were comfortable. We, we weren't bitter. We didn't have any unforgiveness in our heart. Uh, we had settled in our minds that this would be the best place for us. But you have caused us some problems and you have caused us some burdens because you wanted to free us and now we're here, Joya, camped out by the sea and we have nowhere to go. Because why? Because their faith had become sight. <laughs> their faith had become fear now. Their faith what they believed in as they marched out confidently and defiantly has now become an opposing factor. What do I do here? What do I do here? How, how do I move and how do I operate here? How do I deal with regressive faith? There is a restrictive frontier that's restricting me from moving forward. There is a relentless foe that is coming after me to destroy me. But then now we have to deal with the regressive moment of faith. A regressive moment of faith. Moses hears the people's cry of wanting to return to Egypt because of their dismay and their stagnation of being unable to move forward. It's nothing worse than leading people who become regressive in their faith. <laughs> it's nothing worse than being a leader who becomes regressive in his faith to lead and his or her faith to lead. It's nothing worse than having a coach having a manager, having a supervisor, having parents in your life, having friends in your life who become regressive in their faith to believe in you, in their faith to trust in you, their faith to have confidence in you. It's, it's nothing worse than to wake up in the morning and, and after 25 years of marriage, uh, my wife and I become regressive in our faith to not believe that God can bring us through some problems that we're having. Uh, it's nothing worse than waking up in the morning and I become regressive in my faith because I stop believing God and I start trusting in things and my mind begins to wonder about what would life be if I would have just stayed behind. 
Regressive faith uh, uh, teaches you and I to look behind when we talked about on last week uh, uh, that that faith is is what it combats the relentless foes that come to attack hinder stampede our ability to move forward faith is always forward. But we can see here that the children of Israel become regressive in their faith. They become regressive in their ability to produce forward momentum. That word regressive is defined as something that is inoperable, something that becomes stagnant. It's, inable, it's unable to produce. It regresses in its production. Can we bring this a little closer to you? It, it becomes regressive in its confidence. What was once confident is now doubt. Come on now. What was once believing now becomes unbelief. What was used to trusting is now untrusting. Uh, it, it completely goes to the opposite side. There, there is no middle in the place of being regressive in your faith. You either believe or you don't. You either trust or you don't. You either love me or you don't love me. Come on now. There is no middleman when we talk about our faith. You either have faith or you don't have faith. You either want to have faith or you don't want to have faith. Come on now. Are you hearing this? Uh, uh, we look at the story here. We look at the narrative. And, and I like what verse 8 says. Uh, it says, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites. Uh, but when we look here, uh, I like what it says here. Uh, and then they said to Moses, it is because there were no graves in Egypt that you tricked us and God tricked us. Instead of us killing, instead of killing us there, he would bring us all the way here. Get me excited. Get me up to the point where I feel like I'm never going to have to worry about someone abusing me, someone taking advantage of me, never losing anything. You get me to the point where my faith is on 10, and then you choose the enemy that I served for 400 years to chase after me. You put me beside a sea that is blocking me. You put mountains on every side, meaning that I don't have time to go anywhere else. When you think about it, I've taught you that the, that the opposing enemy to faith is what you see. It's my sight. And we can see here that what was once faith now becomes an opposing factor of fear. It says they looked up and they were frightened. Not afraid. They were frightened. They were spooked. They were at a place where they were just completely discombobulated. They were out of their thinking. When you become frightened, it puts you in a place where you can't move. I'm frightened. I, I, I'm looking around the corner. I'm, I'm peeking. Or have you ever been home by yourself? Y'all remember, you know, when we were down in the hood and, 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 and nobody would be home and, you know, you would turn out the lights and you would hear all of the creaking and all of the cracking and you would hear all of the noises and you would be like, I'm staying in my room. I'm not going to shut the door and, and, and I'm just going to look and see if the light is somebody moving up under the door. You become so frightened that you are stuck in a posture where you believe that what you hear is coming after you. It's just the noise of the house. It's the, the noise is always there. But you look up and you're frightened. You look up, you step out, and you get the brand new house. You get all the furniture. You get everything that you need, and out of nowhere, you lose your job. You, you look up in the same enemy that you thought you walked away from. I just came out of a bankruptcy. I just came out of repossession. I just came out of cancer. I, I, I just came out of this mess in my marriage, and it seems like I'm, I'm on top, and now the same enemy that I thought you delivered me from is the same enemy that's coming after me but I'm stuck in a place where I can't get to the other side and I'm now I'm frightened what am I going to do I got this mortgage 
I done told my girl that I'm going to pay all the bills and, uh, and my credit is up. And now I'm at a point where it seems like life is going to take me out. And because you begin to operate in what you see, your faith becomes regressive. And now you begin to complain to God, I thought you loved me. I thought you were with me. I thought you had my back. I, I thought you would never leave me nor forsake me. I, I, I thought that you would walk with me and talk with me along life's narrow way. I, uh, I thought that you would be my hope. I thought that you were going to be my strength and my joy. I, I thought that you were going to heal me. I thought that you were going to deliver me. Why would you let me come this far and embarrass me now? I could have stayed on Huff. I, I could have stayed in the hood. I, I, I could have stayed uh, in my GED stage. But now you're bringing me to college and I'm two months from finishing and they tell me that I got some more classes, that I owe more money than I thought that I had, but now my faith becomes regressive because my problems seem bigger than my faith. My problems become so big that faith doesn't mean anything anymore and because of what I see, it tells me that I would be better if I was a slave. If I was just a nobody. Come on now. You know how you talk to yourself sometimes. We all have done it before. Let's not sit here and be all perfect and pious and, you know, all arrogant. You know, I've made it. The devil is a lie. Come on now. Uh, some of us said it on our way to church this morning. Uh, uh, why did I wake up this morning if I was going to face the same problem that you told me you would deliver me from? Uh, and these problems, they keep coming, 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 coming. When is it going? to stop. You said that my life would be better if I could get to the other side, but when will I get to the other side and how can I get there? My faith becomes regressive. Regressive to the point that number one fear tells faith that Egypt is better than what's in front of it. Hmm. Regressive faith tells us that fear says to faith that Egypt is better than what's in front of you. When you become regressive in your faith, Egypt becomes your faith. Egypt becomes your leaning post. Egypt becomes your crutch. Why? Because you only know Egypt. Egypt has been good to me. It's been faithful to me. All I had to do is just wake up and be a slave. I, I, I didn't have to work hard. I, 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 it was easy. After 400 years, we got a system. Come on now. Uh, I don't have to dream. I don't have to invest. I don't have to suffer the way that I would have to suffer right now because this is new to me. Come on now. When you think about it, uh, because they had become regressive in their faith, they felt as if Egypt was their only hope. Think about it. After 400 years of slavery, you would say it would be better for me to go back there than to just fight and go forward. It would be better to just walk in the water and drown and let's say at least they tried to get to the other side. Come on now. When your faith is regressive, it stops you from trying. It stops you from stepping out. Uh, fear tells faith that Egypt, your Egypt, what's your Egypt? It could be rejection. It could be abandonment. It could be financial issues in your life. It could be health issues. Come on now. Whatever your Egypt is, when you allow what you see to frighten you so much, your fear will tell you that Egypt is better for you. Don't trust God. Go back to Egypt. Don't believe in God, go back to Egypt. Come on now, don't give your time, go back to Egypt. Come on now, it ain't going to work for you, it ain't going to happen for you. But if you would just believe that what's in front of you is better than what's behind you, you will cause your fear to subside. Yes, yes, yes. Come on now, think about it. The children of Israel were in a reality. Their reality was, let's go back to Egypt. How are you going to get back to Egypt? They come to kill you. That don't even make sense. See what regressive faith does for you? It causes you not to think right. 
You, you, you lose your inability to focus on what's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say that again. Uh, regressive faith causes you to lose your inability to focus on what sounds stupid, what looks stupid. Stop thinking stupid. Uh, I'm not calling y'all stupid now. Don't, do not take that. I, I, I'm talking about some of the stupid things that we think about are going to work for us because we're facing a regressive, restrictive, relentless flow in our life. I can't get to the other side, but stupidness says turn around and go back to Egypt and build straw. What? That's all you want to do is be a slave? You want to be a slave to your sin? You want to be a slave to this, a slave to that, but you keep praying every morning, God bring me out. God, will you be my provider? I am providing, but you don't see it because you become regressive in your faith. You become selfish because of process. You become selfish and you quit. You turn around and you walk away from your dream. Why? Because it's getting hard. It's supposed to be hard. This generation don't want nothing hard. They want it easy. Your dream is supposed to be hard. You're supposed to cry. You're supposed to feel pain. You're supposed to walk through some doors of suffering. It ain't supposed to be easy. Who told you that life is supposed to be easy? Where did you get that from? Uh, life has never been easy. Whether you're saved, unsaved, believe God, life has never been easy. It's never been easy for the Christian. It's never been easy for the believer. So what makes you think that you are entitled for God to make it easy for you? If God wanted it to be easy for you, he would have allowed Adam to stay in the garden. Oh, come on now. But because of his sin, he says, I need you to understand how you're going to live. You're going to live through some pain, through some suffering, even though Jesus died on the cross and he bore my sin because I reflect Christ in my life. My story has to bleed. My story has to be nailed to a cross. My story has to be beaten. Come on now. Uh, there has to be some bruises, some pain, some scuff marks. Come on now. Everything about my life should not look pretty. Now, let me make this clear. I'm not talking about you out here living a nasty, pitiful, sad life. That ain't what I'm talking about. Your story, your, your, your journey. Come on now. My journey here isn't pretty. My journey getting to this place has never been pretty. I'm standing here today, and I'm still going through some things in my life. What about you? We all have come to a moment where our fear has told us that Egypt was better. Graves, it would have been better for you to just go on and stay where you were, brother. Graves, it would have been better for you to just stop what you were doing because this is going to be too hard. But if God has given me the faith to believe in him, then I need to keep my eyes forward. Number two, fear pushes faith to pause its moment, its movement, rather than moving forward. Number one, faith or fear tells faith that Egypt is better than what's in front of you. Come on now, go back to that chick who don't really love you. Because it was good when it was with her. But now you got the new girl that ain't putting up with your foolishness. I ain't putting up with it, baby. I ain't going through all of that. Well, I'd rather just go back to what it was. And I, I, Why can't it? Have you ever been around somebody that always talk about what was? When you're talking about what is and what will be, well, you know, it was, it was, it was, was is gone. Yeah. Was is not in front of me. Was is behind me. When we look at the church today, well, what was, what can we do today? To reach a generation that's dying. What can we do? What can we do? We can look forward and begin to restore Jesus back into the church again. We can begin to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I 
sitting up talking with one of my alpha brothers on yesterday. And I said, do you remember what our Sundays used to look like? We would go to our church, at least for me. We would go to our church, and then we would go to somebody else's church. And after we went to somebody else's church, we would come back to our church, Demond, and we would have another service. Come on now, at our church. But in between those services, the mothers would be over there cooking, and we would sit down, and we would eat the good old spaghetti. Come on now, that fried chicken. Come on now. We would eat all of the stuff, and then they would say, all right, it's time to go, y'all. We would go outside and play some football a little while, sweating. Boy, didn't I tell you not to come out here and mess up your shoes? Didn't I tell you not to come out here and mess up your shirt? Now you got to come in there and the mother got to wipe your stain off your shirt. We got to get to the church because we're late. When I grew up, it was church all day on Sunday. It was church all day on Sunday. Church all night on Sunday. Church all day in the morning. And when you got back home, it was church again. What did you learn in church? Come on now. Your father would ask you, tell me what the man preached about man I was asleep man I was ready to go home or can I just bring it down to you man we was down in the basement trying to talk to the girls but you know now they don't even do that because these guys I'm gonna say it this generation is scared to talk to the women and so now you sneak in her DM man you weak ain't got no game ain't got no phone book ain't got no numbers you don't know how to talk to her you don't know how to date her and so now when it gets hard you break up with her Cause you ain't got no game, y'all weak. You don't know how to step to her and be like, "Hey, can I get your number?" Man, she told me no. Man, go back and ask her again. So this is what you do, man. Go back and ask her again, but then say this: I was thinking about you. Can I get your number again? No. Then they told you to do this. Y'all gonna love this. For lovers only. Y'all gonna love this. Then they would say, hey man, write her a letter and spray some cologne on it. Y'all have no clue on how to get a chick. Y'all lazy and raggedy. All these preachers around here telling y'all how to date. The devil is a lie, man. If you ain't never wrote a love letter, then you don't know what it is to be in love. Well, you go back and you give her the love letter and she takes it. But then when she breaks up with you, she give it back to you. And you sitting up there listening at the love song, crying, smelling the letter. Man, y'all have no clue. Y'all have no clue of what real heartbreak is. You're sitting up, and you're with your boys, and you're like, man, she left me, man. And then you look up, and she with your dude. Come on, man. She with your boy. Y'all have no clue of what I had to do to get this girl. You know what I'm saying? I had to... I had, to, I had to walk up and be like, hey, can I get with you? I mean, you know, I'm, no. I kept on trying, but now they just walk away. Oh, man. And then you go down the street and get something that don't even look like what you are really attracted to, but because you are regressive in your faith, stupid tells you to go down the street and marry the wrong chick. Because the right chick caused you to stand up right and to chase her and to give her chivalry. But you want the chick that's going to sit there and just say, get it all, get it all, get it all. The milk and the cheese. You know that that joker ain't no good for you. But he pay my bills. Pay your bills. If you get a job, you can pay your own bills. Come on. But he give me dinner. Give you dinner. If your mama taught you how to cook, you could cook for yourself. Come on now. If, if, if it ever got bad, you know, and, and I mean, I, I, do have a I do have a little bragging rights. You know, my girl, she, I, do, I know how to iron my clothes. I know how to wash my clothes. 
I know how to fold my clothes. I know how to make my own, my own version of scrambled eggs. I, if I ever had to be by myself, I could live on grilled cheese. I, I could live on a ham sandwich. I, I could live on bologna. I never have to have a steak in my life because my mama taught me how to make peanut butter and jelly. My mama taught me how to clean the toilet. She taught me how to wash dishes. She taught me how to fold and wash. But today, we look at these jokers walking around here, and they don't comb their hair. And you got on $300 pair Jordans, and your pants are all the way up here. Let me, let me do it. All the way up here. Jamal, you need to see this. They all the way up here. Yo, what's up, baby? How you doing? What? And then you got the guys that walk around with their pants all the way down here. What's up, brother? How you doing, man? Yeah, man, you know, I'm on the block and your pants all the way down here. And you tell them to pull them up. Man, what's wrong with you, man? Don't nobody want to see your nasty drawers. See, we, see, when I grew up, the man came and he grabbed your hand. And he said, young man, look me in my face. What's your name? Who's your father? What are you doing with your life? The next time I see you, you better have some shine shoes on. See, we don't want to do that today. We, we don't want to offend them. Because they're going through, they ain't going through nothing that we didn't go through. The problem is, is that they have more access than what we, man, if we had the internet, we would, when we grew up, we would have all been in jail. If we had streaming, all we had was preview. That's all we had when we was growing up. All we had was the magazines that mama and them used to bring in, Jet Magazine. Come on now. And the guys would be sitting there like, man, who's this month? Did y'all see her? Now, all you got to do is just with a click of your finger. Regressive faith. It, it pushes faith to pause its movement rather than moving forward. You would rather stay in the relationship because you don't want nobody to say you got your feelings hurt. Man, you better move on. You, you would rather stay in Egypt, go back to Egypt. You would rather walk through the enemy, walk through the enemy that's coming to kill you, go back to Egypt. Well, would it be better for us to stay in Egypt? God didn't want you to stay in Egypt. He never meant for you to stay in Egypt. Fear tells faith that Egypt is better. Fear pushes faith to pause. But then I like this, the last one. Fear punishes faith by stripping away all that's been accomplished. Come on now. Come on now. Think, think about this. Fear will tell you you didn't accomplish anything. Fear will tell you you ask for a number three times, man, she don't like you. She do like you. Because if she didn't like you, the real girls would be like, I don't like you. And you don't have to come ask for my phone. I'm not going to give you my phone number because I don't like you. But when they let you keep asking, that means that they like you. They just, you know, my wife, she's like, you just need to produce. Pro produce. Well, produce what? Because y'all know the only thing, we, I mean, come on now, y'all, now, nah, let's just be honest now, I mean, see, y'all want me, to, I think I need to start talking about relationships, from my point of view, you know what I'm saying, from my point of view, see, see, see you know, when my nieces and, and nephews need to come, they come and talk to me about relationships, and I think my record is what, 100? I think I'm perfect in, in all of my advice to them, you know, they talk to me and my wife, you know, and, you know, and I'm, I'm just... Yeah, she's going to keep it straight. I'm going to keep it real, too. He's a jack leg. All he wants is what he sees. See, y'all don't want to talk about that. You, you know, that, that's all he wants is what he see in the pants and what he see in the shirt. Oh, pastor, you shouldn't be, I shouldn't be saying it. What you talking about? Well, let's just give him the birds and the bees. What does bees and birds have to do with a guy having sex with a girl? Who, who, how can birds and bees, bees sting and birds fly? How does that match up 
with two people coming together, having sex. Where do we get that from? And now we don't want to have a conversation. And our kids walking around here and daughters walking around here, four and five babies. And we keep giving them baby showers. And we keep like, oh, this is the second, this is the fifth one. The devil is a lie. We're going to break this spirit. Why are you doing this? And why do you have five different ones? We won't talk about it because when we talk about it, see, I can talk about it because I live the life. And I'm free of the life, and, and I'm okay with the life. But when we don't want to deal with regressive faith, it'll tell you to go back to Egypt. It'll put you on pause the rest of your life. It happened to you when you were 16, and you've been on pause since 16, and you're 35. Yeah. On pause because of fear. Fear will punish you. It'll punish your faith by stripping away everything that you accomplished. What did I accomplish? I told him that I'm not going to go with you because you don't go to church. Reverend Chishi like, amen. See, see, when we grew up, they, they would catch you at the church. Mothers would catch you at the door. Come here, young man. You know you ain't supposed to be back here sitting with that girl. Get up here. Sit next to me. You know your mama said don't be. I know what your mama. See, see today, we just let them stay there because we say, well, you know, they got to learn. They got to learn. What do you mean they got to learn? Because we become regressive in our faith as parents. We become regressive in our faith in teaching the Bible and teaching the word. There was a point where we all said, man, I ain't going to do that, man. God might strike me down. Come on, man. Y'all know my story. I ain't take communion for about three or four years. And the red was like, oh, Freddie, now God, I don't trust you, Reverend, with my salvation. I'm old enough for God to strike me down. So you're going to know to sit down. I know what I'm going to do when I leave the church. I, know, I would get up and tell mother, pray for me because I'm going to do some things. Not right this morning. Uh, I'm not gonna take communion because y'all taught me that if I don't ask for forgiveness, that I'm gonna bring damnation to my soul and I'm gonna bust hell wide open. Let me stay with that because I believe in hell. I, I believe that God is God enough to strike me down. Come on, man. See, this is not fire and brimstone, that's what we named it. It's real preaching, y'all. It's preaching that saved us all. Can, 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 I, can I talk about this here? Uh, regressive faith causes you to create your own God because you're mad at the God that you lost trust in. I'm going to put my hand in my pocket and stand right here with my bishop's cross out. You have your own God because you stopped trusting in the God that you stopped trusting in. He still trusts you, but you come up with your own God. You come up with your own reasoning. You come up with your own faith. Regressive faith will give you a faith that is unapproved by the God that you were trusting in before you become regressive in the faith. It's the only God. The rest like, okay, Rev. No, 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 no. We got to tell this thing like it is. Uh, come on now. That's why we got so many different religions because people say, I don't need that God. So I'm going to create my own God when he says, thou shalt not create any other graven image of me. Don't create another God of me and make it your God. Baal worship. Time out. Let's go back to the message. We'll get to it. That's what we call Baal worship. When you begin to create a God that's not a God, never been a God, but you made it a God because you lost faith in the only living God that pulled you out of Egypt, that pulled you out of the miry clay, that healed your body, that saved you from all of the hell that you've been causing in your life, and because it's not working, you turn around and you say Egypt will be my God slavery for the rest of my life it'll punish you and strip you of everything that you've accomplished you're here sitting here today come on Josh and your mind is telling you that you're not worth anything 
You're sitting here today and you're on pause because of an Egypt crisis in your life. You're sitting here today and your fear has told you that your faith is not going to be big enough to conquer what's behind you. So it tells you that what's behind you is bigger, it's better, it's comfortable. It's easy. I don't have to fight. I don't have to worry about losing my life. I can, I can just stay right here. Regressive faith. They, they were so regressive in their faith that when they crossed over, that really wasn't a victory for them. Because when they crossed over, they took regressive faith with them. And if you keep reading through the story of their life, they start complaining, they start murmuring, they start creating their own God. They built a calf. They wanted their own king. Come on now, look at it. Think about what we do as a church when God has been kind to us, when God has been gracious, He's been merciful. But when situations arise in our life, come on, when situations arise, we forget to say yes and we say no to faith. And we say, I'll just go back to Egypt. I'll just go back to rejection because nobody likes me. I'll just go back to the abandonment because nobody wants me to be around and nobody loves me. So I'll live in the pity party of pause. <clears throat> God has given you a dream and he's freed you from everything that's been holding you hostage. I don't know who I'm talking to in person or virtually, but because of fear, you want to go back to Egypt. Because of fear, your dream and your purpose and your destiny has been placed on pause. Because of fear, your faith has been clouded and your accomplishments seem as if my life is full of nothing but just bad things. Because fear, the spirit of fear, what they had here was just not fear. They adopted a spirit of fear. And because they adopted this spirit of fear, it followed them throughout their journey. Forty years walking around a mountain, the same mountain the same way he gave them manna from heaven bread from heaven they became so greedy that they couldn't believe for tomorrow he says whatever you don't eat today just take enough for what fills your house well, I got to worry about next week baby I got to worry about I got to worry about three weeks from now come on now this ain't gonna last always y'all heard it it ain't gonna last always I don't know how long that government cheese lasted. Matter of fact, I don't even think the government cheese ran out. I think they just got rid of it. Man, that was some good cheese, Reverend. That was some good cheese. Now, you didn't want nobody to know you had it in your house. Because if you had government cheese, it said you was on welfare. But everybody had it. Now that I'm trying to find out, I didn't know that rich people had food stamps. I know that people living in the suburbs have food stamps. Y'all some hypocrites. Making me feel like because I live down in Huff, you know what I'm saying, that I'm all raggedy and come to find out, you know, some of the rich family members was on food stamps. Y'all walking around here making me feel like I'm the only one. We all have some food stamp days. But don't allow that put your own pause. I mean, can we just be honest? You had to have some heart. But most of the time, your mom be like, boy, go take this book of food stamps <laughs> to the corner store and get them eggs. <laughs> you had to have guts. But guess what? When your friends was with you, they never laughed at you. Boy, go down. My mom, that boy, go down to that store. Make sure you bring my chains back. 
got to see this is we got to get back to this because this generation they don't know and their such and their plight is totally different today but hear what I'm saying I mean come on man we we didn't have a cell phone so you had to go to the pay phone hey uh, I'm at the pay phone now you never know pay phones because guess what took them off the streets because the drug dealers they took over but you get an emergency now I mean who did you call where did you go at least you go to your friend house and be like hey I need to stay here for tonight now you can't do that now because you don't know if you're going to make it regressive faith causes you to look at the life that you have as if it's the worst life and it could be the worst life ever. Let's just be honest. Let's, let's think about that. Some of us have had the worst part of life that you could ever imagine. But think about it. Are you still on pause? Do you feel unaccomplished? Or are you in a position where faith is telling you to go backwards? Or are you ready to go forward? Come on, stand on your feet. Fear, thank you, baby. Fear is telling you to go back. Whatever you see, give faith the authority to override. Whatever's opposing your faith, authorize your faith to override that opposition so that you can move forward, so that you won't live in a place where life is on pause. I want you to lift your hands here and I want you to hear this. We're in service kind of organically today. If you want prayer, just lift your hands and we'll pray for you. But I want to give this to you. To our virtual audience, our virtual members. Everybody say Ash Wednesday. 40 days before the Passover, where the entire church begins to do what? mourn the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want you to do this for me. I want you to make a commitment, an intentional faith commitment. That over the next 40 days, I won't go back to Egypt. I'll release, I will release myself from whatever I've been on what's been on pause in my life. And then I'll begin to look at what I have accomplished and I'll celebrate. Did you hear that? I want you to do this. I want you to think about what can you give up. I don't want you to think about and just make it about food. What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to sacrifice in your daily habit discipline of life for the next 40 days. I want you to do that. What am I willing to give up? It doesn't have to be food. I'm not standing here telling you that you need to go on a 40-day fast. Stop all of that. I'm not telling you you got to go on a 10-day fast. I'm not saying that. Stop hearing that when you hear fast, automatically, I need to stop eating. Well, eating for Tracy is not an issue. So Tracy can go on and fast for 30 days and be fine, but she don't like no food anyway. And she, I mean, it's easy for her. You know, I'm not going to eat chicken wings. She don't eat them anyway. I'm not going to eat no greens. She don't eat them anyway. I'm not going to eat no candy. She don't eat them anyway. You know, I'm not even just saying, it's easy for her. You know what I'm saying? Because food is not a problem to her. You can't fast something that's not a problem to you. You fast something that's a problem to you or that you love so much. All right? Then number two, I want you to think about what you can give in to, what you're willing to surrender to. What you're giving up should bring you to a place of surrendering that to God. Whether it's saying yes to God, whether it's saying yes to your dreams, 
whether it's saying yes to, 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 to the no you've been saying, whatever it may be. And then three, what can I give into? It could be sowing something into someone's life. You can call somebody and say, hey, I just want to give you $20. Or you can call and say, hey, I just want to do acts of kindness. I'm going to call different family members and friends. I'm, I'm going to sow journal devotionals um, that I'll text to my friends every day. That's sowing. That's, that's giving into something. Whatever you do, make it attainable and achievable. That you don't have pressure. That after the first 24 hours, you're like, I got to quit, man. I can't do this, man. Enjoy the next 40 days of, of what you're going to give up, what you're going to give into, and what you're going to give to. You got it? And I'll make sure that we put this reminder in. We're going to start this at 12 o'clock on Ash Wednesday. On Ash Wednesday. Okay? I love you all. I appreciate you. If, if you. if you just need prayer and you want me to pray for you, I want you to just lift your hands if you can. I'm praying for Emilisa and her family and her children. Children are feeling well, so we pray healing to them. Lift your hands, God, and we pray that the grace of God and the peace of God rest on your life.